We went birding in the dunes of northern Indiana. Good thing Eric brought his big old camera. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share our adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We are definitely not experts, and anything that we discuss that might be controversial. But once you remember, there are own opinions. They might be different from yours. So it seems like it's beginning to look a lot like summer. It is full on summer. Birds breeding. <laughs> We've seen a lot of... Uh, Puffins on the rock. Baby uh, ducks in the pond. Oh my gosh, so many baby ducks. And baby goslings. I keep seeing that merganser photo. I think it was merganser from like four or five years ago in Canada that somebody took of uh, like all of like the merganser had like 40 babies behind it. So um, yeah, I don't know if it's a new one, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's the old one just getting recycled over and over again. But you know, it's always a good talking point. And uh, also other things, you know, are like baby birds being, um, like return, you know, that people are finding that have, uh, you know, that they're getting ready to fledge. They're hopping out of the nest a little too early sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes they're right on time and people just panic. So if you need to, you know, be aware of your local rehabber, uh, how to get their information and where they're at, just in case you might find some baby bird that's stranded that needs help. Yeah. And there's plenty of charts of when to, and when not to mess with a baby bird and most of the time, it's don't mess with it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but be prepared just in case you do see one, you know, that might have gotten bit by a cat or something like that. Yeah, something something horrible and traumatic. Yeah. Anyways, Hope- that, turned, that took a really dark turn. Really well, quick. I just wanted people <laughs> to be prepared. <laughs> um, so Black Birders Week started this last Sunday, yeah. and it goes through Friday. Yeah, so you can, you can follow all sorts of um, different events that have been going on. The, by the time you listen to this, the week we'll will have mostly already basically happened. Basically, <laughs> already be all over. But uh, you'll still you'll still have the rest of Thursday and all day Friday for for events. Uh, and Saturday. Oh, oh Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, Saturday. I totally mistaken yes, the dates. It's it's a full seven days. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's still there's still going to be a couple couple events left going on. So um, follow the Black AF and STEM and Black Birders Week on Facebook and. All Everywhere, across, yeah, on yeah, all the social platforms. Lots of different platforms you can follow follow to get all, all the information about that. So, yeah, that's been a lot of fun to see. The first uh, day or two were different um, black birders introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot more folks uh, that, you know, had made introductions that I hadn't been following on social media. So that was really cool to, to find more people to follow. Yeah, for sure. Um, so another thing is that we... Uh, Signed on to to guide with the Southeastern Arizona Birding Festival in August. So we are super excited to head down there. Um, we were just there in December. Yeah. but Never been to Tucson enough. in the summer. So I'm super excited. There's a number of birds that we haven't seen yet that are only in Tucson in the summer. They're not there in December, apparently. We were looking at Alaska <laughs> or Tucson for August. And uh, we looked at the... Um, the needs list or the mm-hmm. target species in Alaska had like very few. Like, so when we look at the target list, we look at all of the birds that are more than 5% in like a given County. Um, you know, it's something that we could possibly get. Yeah. So, so something that's likely to get without a guide or without, uh, on the ground help is and, uh, we, I, I, we think is basically 5% of eBird checklists. And Alaska had like zero <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> like those counties in Tucson had like 15. We were like, Okay, well, right. well so we, we have quite a, quite a few that are above 5% that 
are possible for us to find without like some significant ex- assistance or really knowing the lay of the land. Yeah. So we're excited about that uh, to get back down there and do a couple of uh, more beginner geared field trips. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And also a couple things with the birding co-op too. I think we're doing a social one of the nights with the birding co-op. I think it's the bir- birds and brews, I think. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. It'll be it'll be a ton of fun. So also we want to introduce our June Bird Nerd giveaway. And this is... Our third giveaway. Our third giveaway. Um, this is courtesy of Christina uh, Kanowski, who was the featured artist of the Indiana Dunes Birding Festival that we will tell you more about in the next couple episodes. Um, so we have kind of a gift basket, gift bag... Of a couple things from yeah. the Indiana Dunes Birding Festival. And from Christina herself. Yes, she uh, ha- provided us with a beautiful American woodcock magnet. and It's like, is it hand-carved? It's I, like, it's I, it's pretty cool It's hand-painted. It's hand-painted for sure. It's super cool. It's it's just this little, it's a little wooden... Um, like refrigerator wood, magnet. Yeah, a little, little wooden refrigerator magnet. It's just a woodcock just sitting there and going, beep. I mean, it's not saying it. You, you can pretend like it says <laughs> you it. You can but... do it yourself. <laughs> well, I, I think if you slide it across your refrigerator, it'll go, if you like slide it around. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. We should do, we should just do a TikTok of it, like put it on the ground and like you make the noise and we'll slide it across the screen. <laughs> um. Anyways, that and a couple shot glasses and maybe a few, or I'm sorry, pint glasses. Pint glasses. I mean, it's kind of like a shot. It's a giant it's shot. It's a giant shot. A giant 16 ounce shot. <laughs> um, and a couple other uh, things from Indiana Dunes that we would like to put together. Okay, well, Christina, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this month's Bird Nerd giveaway. We're here at the Indiana Dunes Birding Festival, which is actually raining now, which is the first time in a couple days. Um, I had it the other day that, you know, it's sunny all the time here, but it turns out it's not. <laughs> um, and, you know, we stumbled upon your art while you, we were here because you make the posters, right, for the festival. Yes. And it's just fantastic, and we're so excited about it. So please, would you tell us about yourself? Thank you very much, and I just want to say thank you for your wonderful trip that you led a few days ago, too. That was a wonderful tour. Well, and, um, yes, yeah, so I do, I'm mostly a fine artist and an illustrator. I do paint mostly birds, both extinct and extant. Um, but I do a lot of work with the Indiana Audubon Society and their birding festival here in the dunes. And specifically, I do their fine art print and their um, t-shirt and, like, magnet design. Um, so I also do some art workshops while I'm out here bird specific. Um, I just did a coloring workshop with Warbler ID. Oh, cool. And um, right now I'm just kind of enjoying the festival, getting some reference photos of different birds so I can paint um, when this is over. That's awesome. So what drew you to birds in the first place? Drew me to birds. No (laughs) pun intended. Um, I actually got into birds because my mom wanted me to come with her to a birding club and she didn't want to go alone. And the irony now is that I'm the birder that's like super hardcore and she's just like, I kind of wanted to do for fun. And so she got me started into it. And then when I was in school uh, working on my final portfolio for my, for my, um, my art projects, I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to do something with birds and I fell in love with the ivory billed woodpecker. And that kind of led me down this path into birding and like nature history and extinct birds. And that kind of just snowballed into what it is today, which is all about birds. But you're not declaring the ivory build is extinct, though, right? There's still a chance? Well, I won't say anything. Okay. It's a very hot topic, apparently. <laughs> but I, I, I was drawn to the, the allure of the, the bird and it's the, the questionable 
the question of its in, its, its existence. I thought mm. that was such a profound question to ask for a bird. It was fun. And so how did you get hooked up with the Indiana Audubon Society? Well, I went to their first birding festival in 2015, and I loved it. And I won their like survey at the end of the, the festival, and I they asked if they want I wanted to do a, a, a workshop the next year, and I said yes. And now I do the festival poster, the t-shirt design, I do the workshops, and we also normally have a art exhibit up. Okay. Mm. And it's not up this year. We don't have the room that we usually use, but we do usually host a bird-specific art exhibit here at the this festival as well. And I'm in charge of that as well. So it's it started off very small, and it just kind of exploded to what it is today. Well, that's really cool, and we really appreciate you, um, you know, letting us do the woodcock magnet that we got <laughs> for this bird nerd giveaway. Um, if folks want, you know, don't win, or they want to buy more of your your items, where can they do that? Probably the easiest way to go is through my Facebook page, which is just Christina Kanowski Arts. Uh, at facebook.com so k-r-i-s-t-i-n-a and then k-n-o-w-s-k-i arts and my website's the same thing it's just my first and last name.com and I also have Instagram which is Christina Kanowski Arts um, or you could just you know find me somewhere in the dunes birding well that's awesome thank you so much thank you very much yeah, thank you and yeah. so Eric would you like to announce how you can win your very own bird nerd giveaway um pack yeah so we will be uploading soon um in the next couple of days or so onto all of our social media accounts um a generic outline of a warbler that uh christina is going to provide or she has provided us with mm -hmm. that's ba basically blank and it's kind of a generic warbler shape and we want you guys to color it either print it off and color it by hand and scan it take a picture or, or whatever it. paint it do, do whatever you wanted to do to make it a warbler or graphic design it put it put it on your computer and use photoshop or whatever you to could probably make just it. do it on your phone too probably could yeah you probably there's probably an app phone. you guys are probably smart enough to that yeah either make up a new warbler that's the brand new colors or whatever make try to imitate the colors of an existing warbler whatever be super creative with it and we will um again this will be draw names out of a hat for <laughs> which is the coolest warbler it'll be names out of a hat coolest warbler we're not gonna make any judgment because i'm sure they're all going to be pretty spectacular <laughs> all sorts of crazy color i mean you can't beat real world warbler colors for uh, craziness i, bet, I but bet you could maybe well maybe someone can give real warblers a run for their money but um and you'll enter it um share share it back to us at, on any of our social media send an email however however you guys have gone in contact with us before you can go ahead and do the same thing again and um, make sure you submit it back to us by June 15th, and we'll announce it in our uh, first episode in July. Our, no, no, no. no our it's last our, episode in July. Our next episode after this. Yes, the next episode after yeah. this. I, I have a hard time keeping track of dates. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways. Anyways. So, um, yeah, and use hashtag bird nerd giveaway, and that's what we'll use to, mm -hmm. to um, post your your warbler and Chris this is part of what Christina did at the festival she had workshops where she provided folks with these whole pages of warblers and then a field guide and so they needed to look at the warblers and color theirs you know to match what real world ones are mm -hmm. and that's something that's definitely helpful when you're learning all of these wild warblers you know like Kentucky versus wood hooded like where the you know coloration yep. yeah, where, where, where are. the black and the yellow. yellow is that on the face. Yeah, so that's something that's definitely helpful. So design your own or, um, you know. Make up a new one. Yeah, 
Which oh, is design, the same design thing. your own or make up a new one. You know the same exact <laughs> the same thing. thing. Design your own or <laughs> color one that already exists. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be a U- U.S. warbler, too. Uh, there's lots of warblers throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So, June 15th, deadline. Yes. So last episode, we had a couple of listeners. We did. You're right. From all around the world. Yes. It seems like mostly around Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Ohio seems to be a very big hotspot for us. Yeah. So um, number one was... Columbus, Ohio. Number two was... Hoff, Ohio. Okay. So lots of Ohio listeners. Yeah. So thank you all for tuning in. I think you all need to like get in touch with the Biggest Week folks and be like, hey... We're the top listenership for <laughs> Hannah and Eric Go Birding, so we demand that they come to the biggest week in birding. <laughs> I don't know if we can make time in our schedule to get the biggest week. <laughs> we'll see. We yeah. meant, we tried to last year. Oh my gosh. We, we, I feel like we've tried like three times now. We just keep trying, and it keeps just not working out. Well, usually, we'll make it there. It usually falls around my birthday, so it's just a birthday present for me. <laughs> to go. Along with uh, Great Texas Birding Classic. Yeah. And what were the other two competitions I wanted to do this year? It was like I wanted to, or next year, I want to do the um, the World, um, World, World Series, Series of Birding yeah. and then also the um, Massachusetts Audubon Birdathon. <laughs> I don't know so, why you want to do that Birdathon. I mean, we have a, Por- a Portland Audubon Birdathon. Because they're within like the same week as each other and they're like near each other. Oh, so okay. we could. Well, I mean, near each other relatively. Like, we're on the West Coast. So, <laughs> they're within a couple hours of each other up there. <laughs> so, getting into uh, what this episode is really about, besides yeah, what is, our What it's nonsense. actually about. So, last we left our heroes. They were in the Rio Grande Valley for the uh, Great Texas Birding Classic. Yeah, we were. We spent some time down there. It was a great time. And now we headed up to Indiana. I mean, we went home in between. We like, did to do laundry. We went home, did laundry, worked for a week, and then, and then got back on the road. So Indiana. So to say, on the road, quote unquote. Yeah. So <laughs> Indiana. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I, I've never had an interest in going to Indiana, a- aside from the fact that there's 50 states, and I wanted to go to all 50 states. Sure. Yeah. Like that's that that that's where the drive to go to Indiana ended. I've, like, never had a big want to go to anywhere in the Midwest. Like, I've always wanted to go to the Northeast. Like, yeah. Maine. I super want to go to Maine. You know, Cape May. Like, Boston. A lot of those places just sound like the kind of place that I want to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see Puffins and Razor Bills, like, up in Maine is what I want to do. That would be fun. And, honestly, I just never, like, thought of Indiana as like like you said, a place to go other than maybe just to check off state. Yeah, but we boy were we wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, like what the heck? I don't like. It's I feel like it's a secret that Indiana <laughs> is like trying to keep to itself. Yeah, like it's so it's it's so weird because like everyone there was like, well, yeah, Indiana's pretty awesome. And it was like, well, why aren't you telling anyone? <laughs> Like we we went there we we had a great time it was yeah. awesome we, yeah we spent uh, nine days like like about a week or so yeah so we spent like a week there in in northern Indiana in the Indiana Dunes region mm-hmm. so the whole right right along Lake Michigan the whole northern section of Indiana which they call it Indiana Dunes because it's dunes there's sand dunes that are blowing it off the off the lake so it's it's as if you're at the ocean. Where does that sand come from? Because I kept thinking about parafish, and I was like, there ain't no parafish in here. 
No, there's lots of parrotfish. They're all oh. there's lots and lots of parrotfish there's in Lake Michigan. There's cold water parrotfish. Cold water parrotfish in Lake Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's parrotfish poop all over. It really travels. <laughs> so, anyways, so we did go to Indiana because we were invited to go out to the Indiana Dunes Birding Festival, which mm-hmm. we've discussed in like episodes for like a year now. Yes, and we finally went to it, but that's not this episode. No, uh, but we were also invited to come out uh, in part with the Indiana Dunes Tourism Organization. And we might use some terms in here, which I don't know if we've used before, like DMO, or I guess DMO is probably the biggest that's, one. That's that probably we the, the biggest one that people want If we say another word, we'll try to explain it. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> tell us. acronym. Just tell us and we'll explain it as we're going. <laughs> yeah, just, just remind us while we're going. <laughs> so anyways, a DMO is a Destination Marketing Organization. It's... Oftentimes called like, you know, travel something or something tourism. Like in where we live in Cannon Beach, we have the... Cannon Beach Chamber of Commerce and Visitor Center. Yeah, which is kind of a combined organization since we're a smaller town. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some organizations like Oregon, or not organizations, like geographical regions have like Travel Oregon or, you know... Um, visit Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm. They are specific organizations that are there to market that area to tourism. So yeah, so like you see the commercials for like travel, like the California commercials. Oh, I and, love those ones. And I think I've seen one for like Minnesota. Yeah, the Great Lakes. The, the, ones. the Great Lakes one, and and there, there there's a couple of like random states that you've seen the commercials all around the country, and th- those are put together by DMOs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and funded by that. So, anyways. Indiana Dunes Tourism invited us out to, well, you know, as part of the festival to come out and, you know, see what birding in Indiana Dunes is like. And we didn't really know what to expect. They sent us a bunch of marketing materials and like, you know, here are things to see, here are things to do. So what we're interested in is birds, Mm -hmm. food and beer and natural places. Yeah. Which there was a significant number of, there was a big portion of the of the materials that was natural place. Like, hiking is huge in that area. Oh yeah, totally. So there was there was a ton of stuff about hiking. There was a ton of stuff, surprisingly, a ton of stuff about birding, in there, and then a bunch of stuff about the breweries. Mm-hmm. Which there was a good, a pretty good number of breweries for a place that I never heard of. <laughs> so we flew into Chicago because mm-hmm. that was the nearest airport to um, the Indiana Dunes area that we found. And they also had a direct flight from Portland, which is really cool because we don't have a whole lot of direct flights out of Portland that aren't to, like to Seattle or LA or something like <laughs> that. Well, even like to that. get to LA, sometimes we fly to, to Seattle <laughs> to Denver first, and then we fly back over to LA. Which is weird because Portland is a huge international airport. You know, it flies to Japan and all these places, so it's really frustrating. <laughs> I like how you refer to it as huge, and it's probably like in the bottom third of size. Really, I always think of it as like the a, country. I think of it as like a giant airport because <laughs> we grew up next to it that's true but seattle's way bigger in la and denver i've only and, been like, in all... seattle once I, I i don't think i've ever flown through seattle you and i have flown through have seattle we... together when did we fly through seattle i don't remember oh. well anyways it like seattle's way bigger than portland like all these other airports are but we grew up next to portland so yeah it's, that's true. it makes it seem like it's bigger well, anyways, I always thought it was a big airport. Um, so direct flight to Chicago, which was great. We picked up the uh, the car from the the rental company, mm-hmm. and when we're in the, the in the rental car place, there was a siren that was going off. Oh my it gosh. was a tornado siren. It was the it was the test alarm. So here in Cannon Beach, we have the cows, the moo, and explain for, that for our... a little bit. <laughs> so. In in Cannon Beach, we have a tsunami alarm, and it's um it's it's called the cows. It's the community um 
That actually stands for something? Yeah, it's an abbreviation. Um, I had no idea. Uh, community something warning system. I can't remember what the O stands for. Uh, occasional. Occasional. Yeah. <laughs> but so in addition to it being called the cows, it is literally cows mooing. It it's, sounds like cows in pain. It's just moo just for like two minutes. And then it has a voice come over and say, the sound of cows mooing means this was a test. You know that that's tomorrow, right? I know. It's every, it's the first Wednesday of every month at like 1130. It's super exciting. Yeah. Super exciting <laughs> to have the cows go off because they're super loud. It's the same volume as the tsunami alarm would be. It's like something to see. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways moving on. And moving on. So there was this alarm going off like while we were in the garage and it was so loud. And then a thing comes on that says, this is a test of the t- tornado alarm. <laughs> So it's like, got... it would have been nice to hear that this is a test before the alarm was going off instead of like this two minutes of just this loud blaring alarm. So we got on the road. Yes. <laughs> and out of Chicago. Rolled up the windows and got out of there. Um, <laughs> hit some traffic on the way. You know, we flew in like brush hour and um, maybe an hour, hour and a half later, we got to like Western Indiana mm-hmm. and it didn't take very far from there to get to Chesterton. Which no, is where which is the, where we were staying, mm-hmm. and um, the festival had us booked in a different hotel uh, for a handful of nights. But we got there early to scout it out, so we picked a different hotel for the first night we were there, and we picked one that is a little bit out of our like normal, you know, wheelhouse. choices. Yeah, our wheelhouses. Um, so normally we'll pick you know a cheaper location that doesn't really that offers breakfast and that's kind of their their biggest thing that they do mm-hmm. and um which we've you know mentioned in the past like what kind of hotels that we stay at but we, we also always and historic places we yeah. like historic places but we also always dream of like oh we really want to go to an interesting place and then we choose like oh, this one's cheaper we'll go to this cheap one <laughs> but this time instead because because we were only we were like oh well, we have this opportunity to like choose like any interesting place we want for one night so and the tourism, the DMO, they sent us a handful of different places to that we could, you know, that we might choose to stay at. Mm-hmm. And one of them really piqued my interest. It was called Riley's Railhouse. It was super cool. <laughs> so we 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 got we pulled we pulled up, and it was literally twenty feet away from railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. It's in an old um, rail station, and that hence why it's right next to the railroad tracks because. <laughs> Trains literally were unloaded and loaded right out of that building back in the past. Um, and they converted this the whole station into a bed and breakfast. So it had two it had two rooms inside, mm-hmm. one one downstairs, one upstairs. And then the owners lived on one the other side of the building. It had a whole big common room area. And then on the other side of the building, there were two box cars and a caboose that had been converted into a whole bunch of uh, mini suites that were super cool. And so we got there kind of late and the owners weren't there. So we, you know, arranged and talked on the phone and mm-hmm. they arranged for us to get inside. You know, kind of, kind of like the Seabreeze Court. Yeah. Kind of like our, <laughs> our hotel would do. Um, so we got checked in and then we went over to the Chesterton Brewery, which was one of the suggested places that we go to eat. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, it had the word brewery in it. So we were there, there. We and it was that was really cool too because they are huge on um like veterans and, and first fire responders. and first responders so it was really cool because they had a handful of beers that were dedicated towards different types of responders yeah so they they had one that was called the thin red line which was for uh firefighters and then they had a thin blue line which is dedicated to um uh police officers 
And one, it was, there, there were, I think they were essentially the same beer, but one was, there were both wheats and one was a wheat with blueberry and one was a wheat with raspberry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I like a strawberry. Strawberry. Yeah. It was, it was like a strawberry, strawberry blonde. Yeah. So it, or maybe they're blondes. That's what they were. They were both, they were both blondes and they had, uh, with blueberry and with strawberry, uh, flavor. So those are, those are interesting. I didn't end up trying either one of those. I had, <laughs> I had, I had a hazy IPA and then another IPA. So yeah. And we had a ton of food there and oh my gosh, so much food. you guys like, you know, we're in Oregon, like a burger here is like $18 and yeah. sometimes you get fries for the $18 so, and sometimes, sometimes you have to pay extra for those fries. Sometimes it's an extra six bucks. Yeah. So the Chesterton Brewery, like a beer was like, what, like $5? It was like five bucks for a beer. A burger was like six bucks. You think that was? <laughs> I don't even know if it was six bucks. I can't remember how much it was. At the, at I don't know. Brewery. I feel like we got like piles and piles of food yeah. and didn't pay that much. Yeah. In, in terms of like cost of like food in Northern Indiana. Oh man, it was so much cheaper than what, than, than what we're, we're used to paying. Like we, we would go, we, we went to a, a number of places. We tried to eat places the whole time like yeah, constantly sure. stuff our faces but um, <laughs> we're on vacation <laughs> we're on vacation stuff our faces um but like it was it was pretty pretty awesome so it's like it was easy to just like shell, shell out like bigger tips because it was <laughs> like well we're used to paying more for food so we'll just we'll just tip the waitstaff better so anyways chesterton brewery really good got back to the um the hotel the rail house mm-hmm. and we stayed in the lower berth um room that was right off the side of the like uh, main you know common area yeah. and we got up before the owners <laughs> we got up at like six o'clock so, in the morning so we got in after they went to bed yeah. or, and then we woke up before they woke up so so we got up at like six and we were like okay so we're gonna hit the ground running birding because the sun apparently rises really early in indiana yeah so that part of indiana is on central time when the rest of the country at that uh, La- longitude, uh longitude is in eastern time so it's the the time zone is like all screwed up, and the, but they're they're on Central Time because Chicago is the closest town that they deal commercially with, so they need to be on the same time zone as, well, as Chicago. Well, and apparently a lot of people that live there work in Chicago, yeah. so yeah, they want to be it's, on the same time. It's zone. the same same issue we have in Oregon. Um, in far eastern Oregon, there's a number of places that are in uh, Mountain Time as opposed to um, Pacific Time because they're closer to Boise. Because because they deal with people in Boise, um, but so the sun would rise like. That was the beginning of May, and the, at the beginning of May, sun was rising at like five thirty. <laughs> so, in June, when when's the sun? Like four o'clock. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. Does the sun even go down? <laughs> so anyway, Every, everything shifts. Like all, it, was, it was weird. So our day there that by ourselves, um, we were trying to focus on what the tourism department had given us. The DMO, mm-hmm. they gave us a self-led birding pamphlet. And, you know, said, take a look at this, see what you guys think. And so that was really our, our goal that day was to get used to the area and also check out this pamphlet and see, you know, if they had the good suggestions or what we thought about it. And it was created um, by birders. Mm-hmm. The, they had recommendations by different birders in the area as to how to build it. And so we were kind of... Just trying to see, you know, what we thought about it. Um, of course, we're not experts, but we're... Definitely not experts of the Indiana Dunes area. Yeah, and we're <laughs> we're just folks coming in from out of the area. So I think they wanted our opinion as people who weren't coming, you know, who didn't know a whole lot about yeah. the area. 
Yeah, which it, there was some some great suggestions. We sure. found a, some really awesome places. Well, we didn't find any of the places. <laughs> we went to the places that they told us to go to, and we had a great time. We followed their map and <laughs> were successful. So we got up at like six, and that was before, like we said, the owners got up yeah. from the hotel. And so we got out to go to Beverly Shores, mm-hmm. which was like kind of one of the closer destinations, but somewhere that we thought we'd be able to see more things in the morning. Yeah, so Beverly Shores, it's the, there's a Beverly Beverly Drive that goes through the Beverly Shores area. The it's just like a three mile long road that just cuts through a big wetland area, which I think it's a fen. <laughs> sure. Um, I, there, there's like a there's like different types of wetlands that I'm not I'm not well versed on the different wetlands versus the bogs and the fens and the marshes and. Stuff, but anyways, it, it goes through a, a wetland area, a wet area, that um, going east, east and west, and so we just w- drove through it real slow, windows down at sunrise, or not at sunrise, but with the sun to our back, and saw so many birds. And it was it just was kinda, so loud. It was kind of like a backcountry road yeah. too. So yeah, it was just a one lane road, and I think the, the instructions on the birding pamphlet were, don't don't get out of your car. Don't park on the road, but you can you can stop as long as you just kind of keep moving. Don't, uh, but don't get out. Don't piss off the locals. Don't piss off the locals. Essentially, was the instructions, and the locals we we had a couple of them pass by us, and they seemed to just go by no problem without uh, without really having a care in the world. They just went around us, but go ahead. Oh, so we started off in the eastern section and headed mm-hmm. towards the west, like Eric said. And starting off, we had like marsh wren right there. Yeah. Like super loud calling. Um, there were a handful of woodpeckers, different warblers that were flying around. Um, you know, it was wetland area, so like prothonotaries are something that is possible out there. Um, like half a mile down, we were hearing grasshopper sparrows singing and yeah, it, it goes like it goes low, and then you go up into kind of a, a little bit higher area, and in that transition, we had a whole bunch of sparrows, and then it dropped back down into a low, and we went back to. Red winged blackbirds, red winged blackbirds, and uh, sandhill cranes, and it, it was awesome. We we were there for right around an hour, and we didn't get out of the car once. It was just just driving nice and slow, and we had forty one species. Yeah, it was wild. For, 41, 41 species just as a slow roll through some place before breakfast. So that was that was pretty sweet. Um, we went around the corner, and there were a bunch of like solitary sandpipers there, yeah. and like kind of a not as wet area it was more like kind of a shallow pond and yeah so solitary sandpipers mm-hmm. and swallows and it was just a really cool little drive yeah for sure and like like i said it was 41 species and in, in about an hour of just nice slow rolling i'm sure if we would have like really like stopped and like listened and like done we probably could have we probably could have crested over 50 but yeah. It was good. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. So the next stop that we had was the Indiana Dunes State Park, which is one of the big hotspots for the festival. Um, and they have this tower that I really wanted to go see the tower because that is like one of the, the big things there. That's where migration, you know, people see birds flying over it because it's like the last point before they fly over Lake Michigan. Yeah. So birds will gather up and stage right there at the point and, like if you look at a map, the the lake kind of comes down to a point in that area, so it's just like this massive congregation area. 
So we went up to the top of the tower. And by the way, it was really cold when we were there. It was like in the 30s <laughs> when we got to Indiana. It um, ended up being later or warmer later in the festival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the first couple of days. It was very chilly. It was freezing. Um, so we got up to the tower. I could barely stand it because I was so cold. But there were like flocks of blue jays flying over <laughs> us, which was just bizarre. Well, we also had uh, a, a, a pretty good number of Orioles, too, flying yeah. flying, flying over us. So it was like big colorful birds fl- flying by. And so that, that was super cool. And like big flocks of them, too. And about that time, um, the owners of Riley's called me and they were like, did you guys check out? Do you, <laughs> did you want breakfast? And we were like, heck yes, we want breakfast. We just went birding. So we headed back to the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and they made us the most fantastic breakfast. It was just tons of delicious, delicious French toast and mm-hmm. sausage and just everything you could ever want. We had a wonderful conversation with them. They are fantastic people. And I can't recommend Riley's Real House enough. And they didn't pay us to say anything. It's just that I really <laughs> liked it. And it was kind of like the, the B&B that I would want to run. And... Hannah's not going to care about this, but oh my gosh. the cor- every, every every room has corner toilets. Oh, jeez. I, I thought that was super interesting. Like, that's not something to, like, you know, write a review about or anything. Oh, about I'm place. sure you are going but, to write a review about it. But it gave me so many ideas. Like, what can I, what, how can I modify, like, a small bathroom to get more space by using a corner toilet? It's, it, was, it was ingenious. But, yeah, they, they, they had... The owners gave us a tour of the other rooms that they have. So we were staying in, a lo- in the lower berth. Um, and then they, they have um, the caboose and they have the boxcar. And so they gave us tours of those. And those are just like immaculately like designed and like made up and everything. So they're, they're really super cool. Like the caboose was set up for families. The, um, yeah, the, I had like a little loft. A little really loft neat. that had two, two little twin beds up and it. it was super, super cool. Yeah, and the caboose was, uh, they didn't call it the honeymoon suite. It was the Queen Anne suite. It was the Queen Anne suite. <laughs> and it, it was just absolutely charming. So super cool place. Um, definitely recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, uh, you know, we had a great conversation with them. Their handyman was out there building a deck, and we talked to him for a long time about Volkswagens. Um, so, you know, everybody in Indiana was just so friendly. <laughs> and and it, so it was it was awesome because they're all so friendly, but then it was very distracting because it was like, okay, well, we need to go bird, but then <laughs> I, I want to stand here and talk to you. Let's yeah. let's talk. Let's have a good. Co- we'll, we'll end up talking for like 20, 20 minutes or thirty minutes, and it's like, oh man, we meant to. <laughs> we were supposed to get on the road like fifteen minutes ago. Shoot. Um, so from there we went uh, to Cowles Bog, which was one of the the key sites for the festival as well. Yeah, it's uh, in the Indiana Dunes National Park, and it's kind of on the way to like a neighborhood. It's in a weird area. So Indiana Dunes National Park is like a new national park. It used to be a... Indiana Dunes National Seashore, and so they there was a big a big bill passed, and it got changed. It got transitioned over to national park, which. I'm not super familiar with what the difference between a national seashore is, or a national lakeshore, and a national park is. It's their big name difference, obviously, but I think it's a different bucket of money. But it's not like it's a bigger bucket of money. It's just a different bucket of money that they get funding from. Sure. I I don't know. There's there. I'm sure there's some fiscal difference between why something is a lakeshore versus. Uh, national park. Well, and I think it like but elevates status too. It, it doesn't. It elevates the status. The staff at the national park were saying that the visitorship like spiked massively when they transitioned from national lakeshore to national park because now all of a sudden everyone wanted to get their stamp. 
into sure. their into their passport and 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 all that or into their, into their national parks passport. Yeah. And and all that. So I don't I don't know if it really makes a difference. You don't have to pay for any of the locations there, but except for the state park, except for the state park, is which is not related, the but... national park. But but it was just like it was really interesting that they suddenly had huge huge spike in visitorship just because of the change of name. It's all these like fair weather national park visitors. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to go to a national lakeshore, though. No, but they'll go to a national park, even though it's the exact same place. I mean, Padre Island National Sea. It's a national. That, that's seashore. a national seashore, yeah. Yeah, and you can get your junior ranger badge there. I don't know if you. I'm sure you can get a stamp. I don't know. It just doesn't seem. But it's as, not a park, though. It's I mean, not, I mean well, you, you can get a stamp, but it's not a park stamp. It's a seashore stamp. Well, it's still like. <laughs> whatever i know it's 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 a i feel like it's a semantics difference and like on for what what the experience that you get by going there it doesn't seem like there's any difference but when it has well, a different naming see that's so it feels conf- different that's so confusing because if you look at like a national park map like i mean they say there's only like i i don't have the right number it's like <laughs> 42 national parks yeah. but then like we went to that national park in um san francisco you know the one with the boats and then there's yeah. like the Klondike one in in um, Seattle that's like part of a bigger national park system or national park that like is like, up in Alaska too. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just kind of confusing, but I'm sure somebody actually knows all the details. So, anyways, moving <laughs> on. We're at Kalsbog, which yeah, is Kalsbog. Bog, which I said it wrong every single time. I put R's in it. I put A's in it. I put H's. <laughs> C O W L E S. Bog. Kalsbog. I know how to say bog. It, it was named after a guy that was a, uh, he was an ornithologist, that, or maybe he was a wetland expert, but he did a lot of research out in that area, specifically on bogs and fens and marshes and wetlands and sure, swamps. name them all. Whatever, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you want to call specific. It has to do with where the water comes from and how the water is retained sure. on the, way, the way they're named. But uh, he did a lot of research on them, and so they, they named that area. Someone named that area after him, or maybe he named it after himself. I'm not <laughs> sure. I I vaguely read about Colesbog on the interpretive panels as we were walking past them. So we got there, and it's a huge um, warbler migration stop, too. Yeah. And when you first get there, though, I mean, huge bog area, and there's sandhill cranes like wild, mm-hmm. there's ducks, there's swallows flying Pilliated around. Pillated woodpeckers flying back and forth across the road, <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to drive anymore. I just want to take <laughs> pictures of birds. Um, we only ended up going about uh, two miles down the trail. There's, like, this huge trail that you can take that takes you out to the beach, which is, like, five miles, and people were like dragon coolers down there <laughs> like don't you know how far this is they know they don't care <laughs> that's a long way they to go. go to the beach i know it's a long way to go to the beach um so we walked down the trail it was chilly and you know veers we saw a ton of thrushes yeah yeah ton tons and tons of swainsons and then gray-cheeked and veers of course cappards cappards t- like lots t- birds birds like crazy yeah and warblers, too. I mean, we had oven bird. We had northern water thrush, black and white warbler, orange crown, common yellow throat, magnolia, yellow, chestnut-sided palm, yellow rumped, black-throated green warbler. I mean, these are, this is like numbers of warblers that we would see in South Texas. Yeah, this is like on on par with when, when people talk about like biggest week biggest week in american birding like you just have to try a little harder yeah it's it's a it's a little a little bit more work you're not just standing on one board boardwalk getting a bunch of species but it's tons of warblers and something that we're not used to that 
I was surprised, and I shouldn't have been really that shocked, but I was very shocked about, is all of these warblers are all singing. They're every single one of them singing because they're on the breeding habit. They're they're there. They're or near there. Or or they're near it. So they they're they're singing their songs, and I don't know any of their songs. I I don't know what an oven bird song is. I don't know what a Tennessee warbler sounds like. I don't I don't know any of these songs because I'm I've learned what they look like mm-hmm. down down in texas when they're flying through they're all in literally the middle of their migration they're halfway between their winter and their breeding grounds and they are silent you you chip notes and night night uh nights um calls stuff like that they'll do those but they're, they're not singing their songs yeah. so it's not, nothing i concern myself with learning and then we got there and it's like oh man the forest is just alive <laughs> with sound and i don't know what half the sounds are <laughs> This is a, this is frustrating. So that was a very that was a whole new experience. That was super exciting, and it was a, it was a great learning experience to like really spend like the whole basically the whole time like referring back to Merlin and just like like oh was that this yeah that was that okay <laughs> and I was I took recordings like crazy I, it was it was awesome. Um, my favorite thing was that we found a blue green gnat catcher nest. Oh yeah, like it was in the very top of the tree, but they there were going was, back and forth to there it. There were so many blue green gnat catcher nests. Like there was there was that one that you found, and yeah. we found like three others over the week. I know that was that was really neat. You don't get to see that a whole lot. So um, we hiked to the end. Well, not to the end. We hiked to a place where we got tired. And then turned around <laughs> and started back. But the cool thing was that it warmed up enough that we saw a bunch of snakes. Yeah, we saw, we got we got to see the um, eastern hognose. The eastern hognose that was super cool. So I don't know, I didn't know very much about an eastern hognose. I, I guess over there it's fairly common knowledge um, about what they do, but they pretend like they're vipers. They will fan out like a cobra. They'll fan out their neck into a hood, like around their when throat, they get scared when they get scared to try to imitate like a cobra so they're like oh look i'm scary <laughs> and if that doesn't work and I, I i stepped too close to him and he did that there, there was a little guy who did that and i was like oh and i should have taken a video of it because i was super cool but then th- the next stage which we which we didn't scare him enough to make him do this is they because the, we're not cruel because we're not mean um and i also had no idea that i was that close to him anyways but They'll they'll roll over and start pretending like they're dead and like writhing on the ground, and that I I that was super cool. I didn't know that they would do that sort of thing. And the that, the first person that we told, them, oh, we saw Easter hognose, and they they asked us, oh, was it writhing around on the ground? It's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it did the cobra thing with its neck. <laughs> but then we also saw a garter snake too, right? It yeah, was it a was a um, common garter snake, I think. No, it was it was a. Oh man, it was a different garter snake. Eastern, garter snake. Eastern something. Great Plains. Great Pla- a Plains garter snake maybe. Something like something that. Something like that. Um, yeah, but that was just that was super neat. We just don't see a whole lot of snakes, and so it was just fun to like stumble upon a couple of them while we're on a bird hike. So well, maybe it was an eastern garter snake. I don't oh, know. Okay. Um, I oh, naturalist for the win. <laughs> I, I naturalist got us got us halfway to the answer, and then somebody chimed in the rest of the way. So the next stop on the self-led birding tour that we went to was the Heron Rookery, which is another like fantastic spot. It's part of the national park, but it's kind of further away. It's like not. It's like a national park annex. (laughs) And it's like just a trail from east to west. And like we stopped at the visitor information center um, on the way because it's like 
it's a perfect location <laughs> for all this because yeah. it's right on the way to the state park and the national, it's not far from the national park. And it, I guess it is the headquarters for the national park. It is. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking it was a visitor information center. <laughs> this well, whole time. It's, it's a visitor cool. information center for the national park. Yeah. And so we ran into Brad, who's the organizer with Indiana Audubon for the festival. And he gave us tons of tips about where to go. And he was saying, um, go here and here and here and go to the Heron Rookery. But and, start and we'd already at, been to like half of the places that he'd already said. <laughs> but he said start at the east side, right, of the Heron Rookery. Yeah, he said go to the east side because the parking lot's bigger. And the act, he said, I think he said that he'd been there earlier that day and the activity was more on that side. So that's where we went. We we headed down. That was like five miles or so away. Um, headed down there. It was like four o'clock in the afternoon, which is, you know, still a good time to go there. Yeah. That, that was the, the awesome thing about Indiana. Like in Texas, like you get to like 11 or noon. It's too hot. It's too hot and you're done birding. Like it's, the birds are done. Every, everything's quiet. The activity drops to nothing, but it didn't matter what time of day. Like as long as the sun was still up, birds were still doing stuff. They were more active first thing in the morning, but there was still enough activity. We went down to to the rook the rookery and we still got a ton of birds we had um we parked in the eastern parking lot which is the mm-hmm. bigger side there is no bathroom there so just no. be warned of that if you are someone who likes to use a real bathroom yeah. there's also a lot of pit toilets around so up there get used to pit toilets um <laughs> but we had yeah so we had a lot of things right when we got there there was um red starts flying around right over the creek yeah Sing, um, singing again it was like oh, man i need to learn the song <laughs> And we're, by by the end of the week, we we became familiar with the super common ones. Yeah. Like the the red starts were, were were really easy to get. The um, the magnolia warbler, the song for that, the song for the um, palm warblers. Like some of these songs started to be like, okay, oh, I got that. All right, I've I've, I've heard this ten thousand times this week. All right, <laughs> I've I've got this down now. Finally, also a lot of rose breasted grosbeaks at that yeah. site at oh, the Heron Rookery. So many rose breasted grosbeaks and very vocal. Yeah. And, like, you just can't get tired of them with their, like, pink chest. They are just yeah. the most beautiful bird. Well, and, and even even the females are super cool with because their, their bill, I feel like their bill looks bigger than the males. And it's it's got to have to do with their plumage that makes their bill look so much bigger. But it's like they're... They're, they're not all puffed out like a male. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like their bill goes up and then because they have that bright eyebrow, I feel like the eyebrow lines up with the top of the bill and mm-hmm. it makes their bill look like it goes all the way up to the back of their head. So it's like this giant monster monstrous thing on their head. So it's like, I don't want to be anywhere near you when you want to clamp down. <laughs> So we went about a mile, well, about half a mile, and then turned around and headed back where activity kind of slowed down. Um, but lots of thrushes, you know, American robins and, and kinglets and woodpeckers. And, and golden wing warbler. A golden wing warbler. Yeah, that was very exciting. Yeah. So many common yellowthroats this whole week. I mean, at, like, they're a really cool bird. They're a pretty bird. It was like, come on, guys, something else. <laughs> Um, but then we, from there, it was getting closer to sunset and we had a plan for sunset because I had staked out this whole American woodcock thing and we were going (laughs) to go get American woodcocks. So we went back to Indiana Dunes State Park, which by the way is, I think it was $10, right? For entry fee. Yeah. $10 for the day for out of state vehicles. No, $12 for out of state. state. Yeah. And $5 for in state. Something. There was a different price. Yeah, there was a different price if, you, if you're a resident of Indiana. Yeah. And so we went back to, but, you know, you can get 
unlimited entry for the day. Yeah, back and forth, back and forth. It's all good. So we went to the tower to go get Woodcocks. And, oh my gosh, it was the most amazing thing in my whole entire life. Yeah, it it did not disappoint. I... Pretty sure I'm gonna I'm gonna use if I if you didn't already hear it at the beginning of this episode I'll maybe I'll use it at the end of the episode I got a whole bunch of recordings of pee <laughs> just that just pee just over and over and over so I'm I'm sure and I might have I might have been hopefully I was able to get it I'll have to go back and listen to it still of the <laughs> of them of them flying around doing their it's great their, impression it's, it's their wing sounds. <laughs> As they're flying around. So it's just funny how some species are like creatures of habit. Like, you know, the, like the gold-winged warbler. Like, it won't necessarily be there the next day. Uh, but woodcocks, like, if you look at eBird, you can find, you know, the locations that people are seeing them. Mm-hmm. And just kind of track it day after day. And see how their their movements and their timing and everything change and so i was tracking that at the indiana dune state park at the tower there was somebody who's been out there like you know every Every couple days (laughs) um searching for him and the timing would change by like five or ten minutes make it later every single day with essentially it would change with sunset yeah sunset would move by three minutes and he would put on his time what time the first paint was heard and that would every time it would change, it would change by the number of minutes the sunset has changed. Like they they wait until sunset, and then like fifteen minutes after sunset is when they first start making noise, and it's like like clockwork, exactly. Like so so we knew like I think it was it was like eight eight twelve the day before. Yeah, and it was like all right. So at eight twelve we started really listening, <laughs> and then at eight fifteen, boom, they started. It's like beep. Like, you you got so like, antsy. perfect. You got so into those. So like at, at the tower, there's the tower <laughs> that they have at the state park, and then behind it, there's this whole like dooney area that kind of looks like a golf course or like a racetrack or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's this big trail that goes all around the the outside of yeah. it. And so like we're standing at the top of the dune, and Eric's like, well, I'm just gonna go see if I can find it. And it was like at seven forty five, and yeah. so he started down the trail, walked the whole thing, and yep. was about a mile and then he was like okay if you hear something call me or if i hear something i'll call you and so like i, I mostly wanted to go see if there was better if there was a better like a clear area that was more adjacent to a thicker forested area yeah is what, what that's kind of what i was looking for i wanted to see if like the backside had that better or if it was better where we were at but i walked the whole loop which was like over a mile yeah you like sped walked it too. yeah through, through soft sand, and it was just carrying all my camera gear. He was like, oh, I'm exhausted. Yeah, I was like, heck no, I, I'm not I doing had, that. I had my camera gear, I had my recording gear, I'm carrying it all out of my hands, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to be I'm gonna be exhausted tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, so while he did that, I stood at the top of the dune and just, just listened. <laughs> and then, like, a few minutes before he got back, I heard, Pink. Yep. And it was so quiet, and I was not sure that that's what it actually was. I was afraid it was, you know, some nocturnal call of something Mm -hmm. and then it got louder and louder and louder and it was like right in front of me like 50 feet in front of me was this american woodcock and they're so funny because they peep 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 and then all of a sudden they take off like a helium balloon you know that a kid lets go and it's just like flying up into the sky like just zooms up to the sky and then just back and forth and back and forth and like i couldn't see them i could just hear them going over the, me so the first two that flew i was able to still see them they it, it was still light enough i could see them because i would i would you could hear them in the sky <laughs> 
and you, 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 you like look look that direction and you see the dark. You're like, oh, and then I was able to catch them in my binoculars a couple times, and you could see like their bill sticking out, and they're just. And then they just drop it, drop to the ground like a pipit. Yeah, just like a rock, <laughs> yeah. straight to the ground, and then as soon as they hit the ground, Pink. it's like. <laughs> it was hilarious. That was the funniest bird. It was a ton of fun to watch. I don't know how long we were there. We were, we were there. Like, we were there like an hour. Yeah. It was a, we were there a long time. Just like we went, it kept going and going and going. And then it was like, all right, well, we, we have to go back because I think we still had to eat dinner. Yeah. And we hadn't eaten dinner yet. And then we had, then we had to get up early because the next day we were doing a big day mm-hmm. and that started at six meeting somewhere. And so it was like, oh, man. We're gonna have to be up already and go. We had we had to set the alarms for four, so it's like oh, man. So it was we had we had to definitely get going early. The next day, so yeah. we had to leave those woodcocks singing and painting and and, and whatever else they were doing out there. But oh my gosh, one of the coolest moments of my life that was, was with those woodcocks. That was super awesome. Yeah. So if you, if you go out there, definitely go to the tower. And look for woodcocks. Well, and just, you know, watch your eBird sightings about that. Yeah. That that was key to it. Like, I don't think I could have Googled it and found them. No, probably not. E- eBird, eBird was definitely extremely useful in finding that. Mm-hmm. And 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 something something that's just like, I, I feel like it's, maybe, maybe it is regular. Maybe most people do that. I don't know. Just eBird stock, yeah. things like that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how many people... There's got to be a ton of people that are doing that. I mean, if if we if we figured it out, there's probably it's thousands of people that have probably figured that out. Maybe, doing that. yeah. I don't know. We were the only ones up there. It's true. We were, but I mean, um, for people in that section of the country, like a woodcock's like, hey, you get them all the time. I know. I was like telling somebody, <laughs> like I told everybody at the festival, like, have you gone and seen the woodcocks? <laughs> and somebody was like, oh, we have them in my local park. It's like, well, I don't. <laughs> I have them in my backyard. It's like, well, I've never seen one. Yeah. So. Well, I think they're amazing. <laughs> so anyways, uh, it was a fun first day and we didn't even talk about going to lunch at the Mexican restaurant. Oh my gosh, we didn't. We I forgot got, all about the tacos. Yeah. And I got a chimita sandwich that had steak milanese on it and it was so stinking how delicious. How did we have time to do all of this in one day? I, I don't, don't know. It was busy. Yeah. I don't know how we ended up <laughs> got that much stuff done in one day. <laughs> We, we, we had an awesome day. We had, it was Joe, Joe's Tacos and Joe's Downtown Tacos. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was great. It was real close to the hotel. Not that that mattered since we were driving Everything all around everywhere. Everything was so close to each other anyways. Yeah, the, the, the town's a small town, which, yeah. is, which was nice. It was nice and nice and cozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good food, good birds, really cool places to go. Yeah. Nice people. And that was just our first day. Yeah, that's just one day in Indiana. And we, we had eight more after that. So get ready for the next eight episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe just one more episode. Okay. We wouldn't do that to you. Um, So yeah, that that was the first day. It was really exciting. We had one lifer was the woodcock Mm -hmm. on that first day. Um, I think that was the only lifer. Yeah, I think that was the only only lifer for day one. Yeah. But still a really good good lifer. Yeah. Nope. No pictures. But we got video or audio recordings. Yeah, we did. I think I got a video. <laughs> yeah, I think you got a video. Yeah, <laughs> like a Blair Witch Project video about it. <gasps> do, do, do you see the woodcocks? <laughs> <laughs> so great first day in Indiana, and uh, yeah, thank you all for listening to our episode. Yeah, and one last one last thing before we before we sign off is that Hannah is 
If you guys haven't been listening to other episodes where we've talked about this, because we don't talk about it enough, um, Hannah has her other podcast, Women Birders Happy Hour, that uh, she interviews women birders from around the entire world, not just uh, not just the United States and not just uh, the Americas, but all across all across the entire world. People as much as possible. <laughs> as much as possible. Any any anyone who wants to talk to Hannah, you're welcome to send her an email. Yeah, most men can talk to me too. Most anybody can talk to me. <laughs> yeah, people can talk to Hannah as long as you're nice. Yeah, Hannah's, Hannah likes to talk to people. Yeah, generally. but um, she's she has she has her other podcast. Go go listen to that. You can find it in the same places that you find uh, Hannah and Eric go birding. It's real easy to find. Yep, women birders happy hour. Um, my last episode was with Tama Watts, who is a birder out of San Diego, and we talked about a lot of really interesting things. And made an episode, or made a drink for the episode, which was Tufted Puffin. Ooh, Tufted Puffin. Yeah, it was delicious. You had some. <laughs> you taste tested it for I me. I taste tested it. It was good. So, thank you guys all for listening to this podcast. Go and listen to Hannah's podcast, too. But um, we hope you enjoyed it and or learned something new. Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, or anywhere else you listen to us. You can connect with us on the socials at uh, Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter at We Go Birding. You can follow us on TikTok. Hannah and Eric Go Hannah Birding. Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Um, you can follow our Facebook page, Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. <laughs> it's kind of a running theme. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it, it, whatever medium it is, just Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Just plop that in there and you'll you'll get to us. Generally. Generally. Um, you can also follow our website, um, www.gobirdingpodcast.com. Tell us what you like, tell us what you hated, and share us with your friends. Shh. <sharp inhale> Shh.